Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Support WrestleTalk. Donate on Patreon. Making their way to the ring at a combined weight of undeniably sexy, hailing from London, the Russell Ramble Podcast! Hello and welcome to the Russell Ramble Podcast. I am Luke Owen and I'm joined by Chopper Pete Quinnell. Hello. Hello there. Hi, how's, how's it going? Good man, how are you? I'm good, I'm a bit tired. But, God, uh, tell me about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if you are one of our Patreon pledge hammers, uh, you will have probably already heard the One Night Stand 2006 review where did you discuss the fact that you were very tired and discussed why you might be a bit tired? No. Uh, so it was... It's awkward because we had to re-record some stuff for Wrestle Ramble Extra for One Night Stand 2006, which, which was me and Ollie. Which was no one's fault. Which was totally no, to- no, totally, definitely not my fault. Absolutely, no one in this room was to blame. No, definitely not. Because Randy's not here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but uh, yeah, so we had to re-record some stuff. So we acknowledge that, like, hey, we might talk about some stuff and reference. Another section of this podcast that we don't actually talk about because we might not be talking about the same things when we re-record this bit. Uh, but uh, yeah, so there were some technical problems, which again was no one's fault. Uh, definitely not mine. Uh, but then we had to go away for business, business, business. Uh, and on one day it was half the office, the other day it was the other half of the office. So now we've just come back from the business, business, business trip. We just about had enough time to re-record that part of Wrestle Rumble Extra, which is why the weekend ramble, as in the one we're doing now, is now we had to record that on Wednesday yes. before we went away because then we wouldn't have time to record it when we came back because Ollie and I had to re-record Wrestle Ramble Extra. Yeah. But we can still do these intros and outro bits at the normal time that we actually would have done it. Exactly, yeah. So we are so this is very strange. We it's were so weird. So the actual bulk of this episode you're about to hear was recorded on Wednesday. Yeah. But we're recording this on Friday and you're hearing it on a Saturday. <laughs> it's so convoluted. <laughs> but it does also mean so that, that and I, we want to do stre- we do want to stress and we stressed it at the start of this uh, the episode as well. This was recorded on a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So it was recorded before the big 
announcement of the week that Heyman and Bischoff mm-hmm. were executive directors or whatever it is for Raw yes. and SmackDown, which was first reported by Barrasso on Sports Illustrated. Well, I mean, WWE leaked the information to him so they can send, then say, as first reported by Sports Illustrated. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and do all that sort of like PR guff. So we, are, we don't discuss anything about that in this upcoming episode. Mm. But the benefit of doing this on a Friday means we can talk about that now quite yes, briefly. That's true. So, right, so all those people who just watched the videos, who were idiots, yeah, because the Podswafters are way better. Way better. You, lovely Podswafters, actually get to hear our hot takes mm. on what that could possibly mean. So, I mean, we've got to keep it brief because yes. we've, we've also got to record Ramble Club. We are but, on uh, a tight schedule. But... Pete, so uh, give me your brief thoughts. What are oh, your thinking? What my, are you thinking? My first instinct as soon as I saw this news is I didn't think it was real <laughs> uh, because I just saw a tweet from Barrasso saying, like, as an exclusive, WWE have hired Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman will be the executive director of Raw. Eric Bischoff will be the executive director of SmackDown. Uh, this is a backstage role. This isn't. They're not necessarily going to be on-screen characters, though I think they very well could become on-screen characters before long. Um, yeah, I think Meltzer was saying in the Observer that he doesn't think they're going to be on-screen characters. This is very much not. just like a business, business, business deal. Okay, right. So obviously it is that that backstage uh, thing, but uh, I think at some point we might see that I very possibly. I honestly wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Um, but uh, but there's no authority figures. Uh, That's because we're the authority. Of course, yeah, Unless yeah, this yeah, means we're are. no longer the authority. Uh, they've canned that already, have they? <laughs> uh, but uh, I don't really know what to think of it because I think it's too early to say because Vince is still the guy in charge. So in, the, in a sense, nothing has changed. You've just got different people who now will no longer be able to do their ideas because Vince is still controlling everything. So realistically, nothing's really going to change unless Vince changes. That's always been the key factor of WWE's product. It's always the same because Vince is the same. Until Vince changes, the product will be the same. That That's just what yeah. it is. They can throw whatever gimmicks they want at it. The product's still the same. They can introduce 24-7 championships and two out of three falls matches. The product's still the same. And boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, but yeah, by the same, I mean boring. <laughs> so they can bring in Heyman and they can bring in Bischoff, and that's going to get people talking. I, for one, am quite curious to see if the product's going to change. I don't think it will, though, because Vince is still the guy in charge. So I think it's... Unless... I think the only way that Heyman in particular would have come back to a position of power within WWE is if he's been told that he will be able to have some sort of creative license over Raw that he's going to be controlling. Because I I remember an interview he did with, uh, I believe it's Sam Roberts, a few years ago. I think it might have been around either Mania 32 or Mania 33 time. Uh, Roberts was asking him, was like, hey, would you ever want to come back to WWE to like to to do stuff, to run a show? And he was like, I have no interest in that anymore. I just want to do my on-screen character stuff. I want to go home. I have kids now. I've got way more important stuff to worry about. I've got another business that I'm setting up. So I just, I don't have the passion for it anymore. I don't have the drive. So I'm thinking that the only way he's going to be able to come back is if WWE have said, you will be able to run this show. Yeah. Vince will be overseeing it, but you will have at least some sort of creative control over it. Or he offered him a lot of... A lot of money. And I'm, yeah. And I'm, I'm doing the, the fingers and the thumb yeah. uh, international hand gesture for money. Moolah, yes. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's also possible, yeah. yeah. And I, I'd see that more as an argument for Bischoff than I would for Heyman. Because I, I know Heyman is very motivated by money, don't get me wrong. 
but I also believe that he he does believe that there are more important things because I think he has quite a lot of money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so I don't know, know if he necessarily needs to take this job. And it seems like a whole bunch of stress for nothing, really. I, uh, For me, I, I think that Vince is just going through a Rolodex at the moment. Uh, he brought back Pritchard. That didn't work. Now he's bringing back. He's basically just looking to all the people that he was that he had when he was successful, or when the successful periods of business competitors or whatever. So he brought back Pritchard because Pritchard was there in the eighties and and during the Attitude Era. So clearly Pritchard knows what he's talking about. No, that hasn't quite really worked. Uh, well, who's next? Uh, well, Paul Heyman. We'll give him a call. Uh, well, Eric Bischoff. We'll give him a call. And I, I was saying this yesterday at our business, business, business meeting because this ended up being sort of like a big sort of talked about thing mm. uh, amongst our business meetings by the end of the year russo will be back with the company yeah because that's the next name on the rolodex it's mm-hmm. just like well none of this is working AEW's here vince russo i'm sure he's got some ideas and it'll be announced that vince russo is back on the writing team and his head of creative and that will be the next thing and then he'll be i don't know dig up sam mushnick and be like hey can you save this company is bill watt still alive let's uh, who else can yeah. we dig up so i i, I think this is very much um it, I'm hoping my like big idea thinking of this and why I think this could be great is if both shows are then given their own distinct feels. If Heyman is let to, is left to his devices to or or basically the pitch is that Heyman is going to run Raw like it's his vision and Bischoff is going to run SmackDown as his vision because Bischoff and Heyman's thoughts processes are very wildly different. Absolutely. That Raw will feel like a totally different show to SmackDown. It will be presented as a different show as well. I think the Raw will end up being presented more like a sports show and then uh, uh, SmackDown will become more like the, the entertainment show. I'd imagine my other wild prediction is come the Fox move, they're going to switch. Mm-hmm. And Heyman's going to go over to Fox and he's going to run that because that'll be the big sports show. Rousey's going to go over there. Lesnar's going to go over there. And then uh, Bischoff can look after Raw on Monday nights. Bischoff is back in control of a show on Monday nights uh, yeah. uh, in the world of wrestling. We're back in the 1990s, folks. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I think those are all very, very solid predictions and very well could happen. And I think that would be the best thing if they do revert back to actually having a proper brand split. No wild cards, None of this superstar shake-up nonsense. They actually have a brand split and have two different people running each show as if they actually have two brands. Yes. What a crazy idea, right? And and I think, crucially, it's not two different brands. It's two different companies. Yeah. It's like, because that was what they always wanted. They wanted Raw and SmackDown to feel like different companies that Mm. are fighting off against each other. Exactly. Like, the original plan for the invasion was that Vince was going to take on... He was going to take over SmackDown and they were going to and Shane was going to run Nitro on Mondays mm-hmm. and it was going to be a WCW show it was going to be WCW Nitro on Monday nights and WWF Smackdown on Thursdays and so you would have these two companies even yeah. though it's the same company that would, that would then that. have interpromotional matches or you would build to interpromotional matches down the line um, I thought this was an interesting note before we go into the main bulk of the show where we're going to talk about something completely different. Yes. But um, I, I thought I'd read you this very interesting bit from The Observer that kind of jumped out to mm. me. Um, so uh, where is it? Um, ah, yes. With the investors call being a month away and the promises that the house shows would turn around because they knew how to fix the problems and the popularity would rebound when the stars came back from injuries and neither happening, the timing of this announcement may be to pacify stockholders and curtail the recent stock declines. 
That's a really good shout. Because the last investors call, when the investors were saying, why is house shows down? Why are ratings down? Why is the popularity down? Vince said, oh, it's because all our top stars are injured. Yeah. We haven't got Roman. We haven't got this. We haven't got that. All of those guys are back now. House shows are still falling. Ratings are still falling. So now it's like, well, we've got this big old overhaul. It's going to be this. You know, we've got this guy here. He ran ECW. And we've got this guy here. He used to draw 8.9 ratings on Monday nights. He's the guy that's going to be doing this and the other. So, like, I, I can very much see that being like a big sort of PR. Not PR thing, but certainly an investor's thing for the call. Yeah. It's kind of insane when you think about oh, it. Oh, yeah, totally. That you've got... The guy that ran WWF, the guy that ran WCW, and the guy that ran ECW, all in positions of power in one company. Yeah. It's absurd when and you think about it. What, what a timeline we're on. Exa- uh, right? And, yeah. and one of the stories that I, I was hearing, I think this was from, it was probably the original report from Barrasso that said that they're going to, which probably means that it's very much true because WWE leaked the information to them, mm. that um, they're going to have essentially, they're going to be the Triple H of Raw and SmackDown as Triple H is to NXT. Right, yeah, okay. Which which then really does mean that they are properly in control of these shows just with Vince overseeing it. And it almost feels as though, the last thing I'll, I'll say this before we get into the main show and we'll have your final thoughts as well, is that this is Vince setting up himself or setting up the company for when he's off to the XFL next year. That was going to be my final thought. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it seems like he's setting up an infrastructure... So that when he's off doing his other projects, the company's still in good hands and he has enough people that can run the show effectively. Yeah. Uh, He'll still have the final when, say on things. Yeah. But he doesn't have to be there for all the creative meetings. Exactly. Yeah. So if there's anything major, they'd be like, oh, we should ask Vince about this first. Then he can still be consulted on it. But I think, yeah, he won't be as, I'm hoping he won't be as hands on, which will allow the creative flares of Heyman and Bischoff and Triple H and whoever else backstage to actually shine and maybe might get some good TV. Yes. And uh, so the other note on the, this as well is that don't expect these changes to be instant. Don't no. expect to tune into Monday uh, and watch Raw and it feel like a completely different show because the, the, the word around the campfire is that while their roles start effective immediately, the changes won't actually happen until mid-July. So we're going to have another couple of weeks of, of Vince-run WWE shows and then mid-July, we should start then seeing the differences. Hopefully. In theory. Fingers I'm, I'm, crossed. Uh, what a wacky world 2019 has become insane. for wrestling. It is absolutely bonkers. But anyway, speaking of bonkers things, Seth Rollins went on a Twitter spat this week. And me and Pete are going to talk about that from the past, which you're enjoying in the present. Enjoy. We are recording this on Wednesday, well ahead of when we usually record this uh, for the Saturday Wrestle Ramble. Happy Saturday, everyone, if you're in the UK. Very, very hot day, all things considered, mm. uh, or as far as we know for now, anyway. Um, so things might happen that have happened post we've talked about stuff like this so we can only talk about what we know now but because of the way that our schedule has fallen with lots of business 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 things we're having to record this on a wednesday so that's fun Mm -hmm. but we are going to talk about seth rollins's tweets about wwe now the last weekend video that you and i did together funnily enough was is john moxley right 
about WWE, which was after Moxley did his Talk Is Jericho podcast mm-hmm. where he kind of talked about his creative frustrations and the fact that the wrestlers themselves don't really have a lot of creative input into storylines that sort of like dictated you've got to do this you've got to say this and especially if vince signs off a script it's like you have got to say this word for word and vince turns nouns into props and all this sort of Mm -hmm. stuff we kind of talked about that at length and it's been a couple of weeks since then and stomping grounds by all accounts was an okay show yeah yeah i'd say the more important matches were more disappointing but most of the show I had fun with. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it wasn't that bad. I think Ollie said that it was uh, one half of a really, really good show. It was, like, yeah. it was on its way to being a very surprise, like the, you know, the surprising show of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but like it was, you know, some fairly good wrestling on there. It was a well-received pay-per-view considering that the product at the moment is not being very well received. I think exactly, that's very yeah. fair to say. Yeah. Uh, Seth Rollins, on the other hand, though, uh, called it the best pro wrestling on the planet Period. And he then doubled up on that following uh, the pay-per-view and said, uh, best pro wrestling on the planet. See that cruiserweight triple threat? And that's just one night, one match against the many. Find anyone else alive who does what I do as well as I do it as often as I do it. You can't. Now, this led to a few people like Tamatonga po- like posing fun of it, calling New Japan the best pro wrestling in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Chris Jericho had a devastating laughing emoji yep. response. He also had one the following uh, the following day when Raw did their um, their tug of war, mm-hmm. or if someone very cleverly called it in the uh, the comments, should have been called the tug of experience because <laughs> yes. we don't say war around here. No, definitely not. And sort of like had a screen cap of that being like the best wrestling on the planet. Period. And, and people have sort of like that funny, you know, Will Ospreay's gone back and forth and this stuff. We're not really going to talk about the, the Osprey thing, though. Um, and Cage Side Seats also said, like, they posted a, a, a gif of Donald Duck laughing, mm-hmm. saying, like, remember when Seth Rollins said that WWE is the best pro wrestling in the world, which he responded to, saying, sure do, dorks, and after that pay-per-view, I stand by it even more. The crew brought it tonight from top to bottom, all our effort, every person in the ring and out, and you're still talking slash writing about it. And then he's at his Twitter back and forth with... Um, uh osprey and when someone told him to say like dial it down a notch he replied nah dog let me dial it up i've sat back and watched idiots with no clue talk poorly about the place i dedicate my life to every hour of every day can't imagine who those idiots are definitely not us definitely not us uh the level i perform at on a constant is untouchable time to let him know uh and he's been very much you know on this sort of pro wwe bandwagon as of late even when wade keller um uh of the pro wrestling torch posted wade had said uh this isn't a good tone at all if he wants to get people who love good wrestling regardless of brand to feel goodwill towards wwe strength as its vocal leader when he's talking about his sort of like descending condescending words to will osprey calling him little guy and buddy and and all that sort of stuff which seth uh replied with i don't care about goodwill wade i care about respect and if some kid who thinks he's got it all figured out wants to step to me he's going to get patted on the head and sent on his way and so will you and then he also did an interview uh we will we'll dive into this in a little bit but he, he did an interview with sports illustrated's media podcast and i think it it almost feels like a lot of this has stemmed from the ambrose podcast very much so because the ambrose podcast painted wwe in a very negative light and 
So here's Seth Rollins. It's quite a long quote, so so do bear with me. He said, Ambrose can do what he wants. He's a big boy. He's got his big boy pants on. He can go out there and say whatever he wants. But the bottom line is, not everyone is equipped to handle the rigors of the WWE and the schedule and how it affects you mentally and emotionally. Ambrose gave everything he had uh, for the company. He put his heart and soul into the travel and the schedule and the injuries into, you know, the work in the ring, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, he took his ball and went home or went elsewhere at least. And I think it's a little presumptuous of him to get on a podcast and talk down about the company that gave him such opportunities. You can't, you can talk about the other guys in these other promotions. You can think they're the best in the world and they offer up a superior product or whatever, but they do not run 500 live events a year. 500 plus live events a year, all right? That is top talent working over 150 matches a year on top of all the travel, on top of all the media, on top of all the training, trying to stay in the best shape so we actually look like wrestlers. Not two jabronis in gym shorts who get into a ring and do high spots. And then to add an interview where he said he was satisfied with uh, his creative input and his character. But let's, okay, so let's address this. Seth loves WWE. Absolutely. <laughs> Very much so. And I mean, <laughs> regardless of whether you think he's right or wrong about this, it's nice to see that he has so much passion for the company that he works for. Because mm -hmm. in recent times, it's just been negativity towards WWE. Especially like from the people who work within the company. That's what I mean, yeah. Because uh, like the Kanellisai, and then you've got like Rusev, and Moxley, and Luke Harper, and uh, Pac, and Kenta, and all of these people that have come out and just said like, I hated my time there, I don't want to be here, I don't like the creative process, WWE's frustrating me. Yada, 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 don't get TV time, whatever it may be. A lot of negativity towards WWE has been seen in recent times. So at least it's nice to see, someone, to see at least someone just be like, no, WWE's great, all right? Sorry, that's love, just the way it is. I love, love, it. love it. Yeah, and that's nice. But that, that's just the surface level of it. So then we dig in a little bit deeper because a lot of people have come to Moxley's defense about the creative process within WWE. And I think the main thing to take away from Moxley's podcast is that it is the creative process that sucks. WWE can be great, will be great. He's even said that, you know, he used to watch old WWE and WCW wrestling all the time. He loves wrestling. He doesn't hate WWE. He hates the creative process behind it. And he hates how it makes him feel. He hates that he can't be his own character. That's what he hated. He doesn't hate everyone within the company. He doesn't hate the company as a whole. And he even said at the start of the podcast, he's like, look, I got nothing but gratitude for them, but this is what it was like a, a day in my life. And he explained what was happening with that. So for Seth to just be like, oh, he took his ball and went home and all that stuff. Oh, he couldn't handle the rigors of the stress of whatever. It's like, that's not what it is, though. No. Like, it's, he said he was suffering from, like, physical sickness and tiredness from the anticipation of going to a show. It wasn't that the schedule or the travel was too much. It was that he couldn't be himself. He had such a passion for wrestling that he wasn't able to display. And that was his life. Wrestling was his life. And he wasn't able to do what he wanted to do in wrestling. So I think for Seth to say that stuff to about Moxley, it's a little bit unfair. I think it's very unfair. Yeah. Because it's all good for Seth. He's the universal champion. He's been very well booked amongst... Pretty much the entirety of his run. I was going to say, since his debut on the main roster, he yeah. has been exceptionally well protected. Even in NXT. Al always had a WrestleMania match. There's always a WrestleMania match set aside for Seth Rollins. Mm -hmm. And there's always, there's some stuff where he looks a bit 
naff. There's some stuff where I think if someone else had it, it might have come off a lot worse than Seth made it look. There's sometimes where Seth takes some not great material and he makes it okay. There's a lot more stuff where Seth looks awesome, where Seth's made to look like a badass, where Seth's got these really cool lines, where he's got this stuff to say that makes him look great, which a lot of other people in the company do not get. Can't say that for Rusev. Can't say that for Rusev at all. So I think it's, from his perspective, WWE is fantastic. And why wouldn't he think that? He's the Universal Champion. He got an amazing WrestleMania 35 moment. He's had awesome WrestleMania matches with Triple H and with... Uh, he, it was the well, opening you, you, match you say, or, you say awesome WrestleMania well, as, matches. Okay. <laughs> he had big WrestleMania he had, matches. He has, he's had marquee matches out the way. That's wazoo. what I mean, yeah. He, he's had highly promoted matches. There you go. And he was even the opener at WrestleMania 34 where he won the Intercontinental Championship. Like, if, you don't wanna, if you're not main eventing the show, you want to be opening. And he, was op- he opened this year's winning the Universal Championship. Exactly. So, like... What has he got to complain about, really? Yeah, and and that's where a lot of people have come fr- come at Seth with this. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, of course you're gonna like defend the process. You're fine. Yeah, like you have been so well protected since your debut, as you point out. He's been so well protected since NXT. Mm. He's had nothing but a a big push. He and he and Roman have had the most consistent levels of pushes of any of the NXT call-ups. Mm-hmm. Those two have always been pushed to the moon. When the Shield were together, everyone said, well, Ambrose is going to be the one that everyone forgets about. And for a while, that more or less was the case because Seth yeah. was the one that broke up the group. Roman instantly got his main event push. And then Seth was built to be that WWE champion. He held it for the title for, for a long, long time. So I, I do agree with you, and I agree with a lot of other people, that I think his assessment of the Ambrose podcast is unfair yes because ambrose didn't take his ball home or go elsewhere as he put it because he couldn't handle the rigor of the schedule that's so unfair yeah ambrose was beaten up and he you know he talks about the podcast that it, but he for the key to that is that it wasn't fun anymore mm. it's not that and I, i'll be honest and i've seen a few other people say this i'm not sure how you can like boast about running 500 live events a year and wrestling over 150 matches a year because really like as a lot of people point out you don't need to put on a 500 events <laughs> yeah. a year you don't need to do this that's an inc- that's an insane amount of live events yeah and, uh, yeah sorry, sorry go ahead no 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 you're gone I th- I think that that speaks more to the quantity of what you do. Yeah, sure, you wrestle a lot, but he's talking about being the best wrestler in the world and putting on the best pro wrestling in the world. Just because you do a lot of it doesn't mean it's the best. It's quality over quantity. Exactly. And I think for him to say, like, 150-plus matches a year, 500-plus live events a year, he's putting all these other stipulations to... Uh, uh, to um, What's the word I'm looking for? He wants to... Not quantify, that's not the word Project. I'm looking for. Nope, he wants to ensure that what he's saying is correct by saying that it's the best pro wrestling on the planet if you look at the matches we do and if you look at all the stress we have to do and all the training we have to do and all the other live events and press releases and all this other stuff and then it's the best because no one else does all that. It's that's like, very true, yeah. All you've done is just listed what WWE does. Of course, no one else is going to do this other stuff because no one else is mental. Yeah. Like, none, no other companies in the world do all that stuff, granted. New Japan, AEW... Impact, none of the rest of them do that many live events a year. None of the rest of them do all these crazy press releases and tours and all the crazy stuff that WWE does. That doesn't mean it's not worse. That doesn't mean it's worse pro wrestling than what WWE puts out. Yeah. And it, it comes back to that. During his, uh, his uh, argument with Will Ospreay, it came down to the 
I've got more money than you are doing. <laughs> it's, the, it's the Kevin Nash school of thoughts. Kevin Nash in shoot interviews always used to get asked, who's the best wrestler ever? And he would say, Hulk Hogan, he made the most money. Mm-hmm. Because there was that sort of like 90s and 80s mentality of the, you do this because you make money. And I think that sort of like mindset is kind of like fallen by the wayside because everyone's not about, it's about work right now. It's about mm-hmm. having the best matches. Kenny Omega uh, said in an interview, I think it was with Meltzer, but he, t- he did say in an interview, I can't remember who it was with, where he said that... I'm not going to go to WWE because I'm not going to be allowed to have five-star matches. And what I do, what I like to do, is go out and have five-star matches. I like going out there and having the best match on the card. Mm -hmm. That's what I wake up for in the morning. That's why I continue to be a pro wrestler. And so I I think you're absolutely on the money there. When Seth Rollins is saying this is the the best pro wrestling on the planet, period, it's because, in his mind, they do the most of it. Yeah. They put on the most consistent amount of wrestling. They're traveling all over the world. They're putting on shows for sometimes hundreds of people. If going by this week's SmackDown, um, but you know, <laughs> re- realistically, it's more. It's thousands of people. They're putting you know, for very good, drawing more audience than than a lot of other wrestling shows do. You know, credit where credit's due. For sure. So in his mind. This is the best wrestling on the planet, which feels like it feels like a very Triple H mentality, a very Vince McMahon mentality. It's like, well, we put on the most. Ergo, it's obviously the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we have the most followers on Twitter. Therefore, yeah, we must be we, the best. What, uh, what is it? They've got like over a billion social media <laughs> followers. If you add everyone's social media yeah. following together, you get over a billion. And apparently that's what Stephanie says in all of their rallying cries. We've got the most social media followers. Ergo, we must be the best wrestling promotion. Like, it's, it certainly means you're the biggest. Well, and yeah. there's absolutely no doubt, no one can argue that WWE is not the biggest wrestling promotion on the planet. Absolutely. Absolutely, you cannot argue that. Yeah. But I would say that it is nigh on impossible to say that it's the best pro wrestling on the planet. And I mean, for even Seth's point when he said, did you see that Cruiserweight triple threat? That means he's talking about the quality of in-ring wrestling. He, he specified one match. Yes, that Cruiserweight Triple Threat was a great match. I've seen better this year. It, it's, it's not going to be in the top 10 of the year. No, it was a really good match. I had so, I had a lot of fun watching it. It was possibly even match of the night next to New Day versus Owens and Zayn. But I've seen better this year. It's, it's, it's not no, the best pro wrestling on the planet. A very good match, but it's nowhere near in the league of anything from the best of the Super Juniors. It's not even close to anything on NXT this year. No, absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah, I don't quite know. right. Sure, that might be classed under the WWE banner if you're talking about NXT's part of WWE. Yeah, sure, that's what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, well then, talk about NXT then. <laughs> but like, sure, NXT I think is some of the best, if not the best wrestling, takeovers especially, are possibly the best pro wrestling on the planet at any one given time. That's a given, sure, and that's part of WWE. Granted, that's cool and all, but you're talking about main roster, you're talking about you as a pro wrestler, you said there's no one that can come to me that can do what I do as well as I can do it as often as I do it. But there are. There are people that can come to you. And you're just oblivious to think that, you, that you're that you the only one. Yeah, I think that it would be... I don't... Because we actually we took some flack last year when we did our top 10 wrestlers of the year. Because mm. Rollins wasn't in our top 10. But actually, when we looked at the list of wrestlers, because like Rollins is an incredible wrestler. He is. Like, absolutely. absolutely. He is an incredible wrestler. His match with AJ Styles at Money in the Bank was amazing. It is not his fault he's having bad matches with Baron Corbin. And I think Baron Corbin's a very good wrestler. I think Baron Corbin is very, very good. But Baron Corbin is very good at a certain level. Baron Corbin is not a main event guy. But he's a very, very solid mid-card heel. Yeah. And I, I, he's just overpushed beyond his talent. 
But so it's not Seth's fault that he's getting mediocre matches with Baron Corbin. And he's going to have a mediocre main event against Lacey Evans and Baron Corbin at Extreme Rules. And that's nothing against Baron and Lacey. It's just that I, d I don't think that match is going to be a five-star classic. Nah. So Seth is an incredible wrestler. But when you look at like the big wide world of professional wrestling, he... He's not in that top 10 conversation. No. He's not in the same league as Pentagon Jr. He's not a Kenny Omega. He is not a Kazuchika Okada, Hiroshi Tanahashi. You could just start listing people off, even in NXT. I think Keith Lee would be within that shout. Because I think Keith Lee, once he gives him a chance to have like a big stretch of matches. But then again, if Seth was given the opportunity to have a big stretch of matches, like if Seth was given like a series of matches with Balor, AJ, Black, Ricochet, um, Rusev. Like, if you, like, put, like, a lot... Cesaro, you put, like, this big, long list of, like, pay-per-view stretches, and he was just allowed to go out and have those NXT-style matches, yeah, then he probably will end up being in that top 10 conversation. Mm, for sure. I, I think that's just a perspective of WWE as a whole, though, because we've not seen the full potential of probably 95% of the wrestlers on the roster because they're not given that chance to. So Seth may have a point in saying that WWE could be the best pro wrestling on the planet, but currently in its current form, it isn't. Yeah. Because we've said plenty of times, and Ollie said it, and everyone in the office said it, and pretty much everyone on the Twitterverse has said it, WWE's current roster is possibly the greatest roster in the history of wrestling. I would agree with that. It is absurdly good. From top to bottom, so much talent, including... NXT, NXT UK, it, yeah. all of the brands that they've got. There's so much talent. And they could have the best wrestling we've ever seen during the history of wrestling on every show. But they don't. Every Raw, every SmackDown, every pay-per-view could be, like, just mind-blowingly great wrestling week yeah. in and week out. I mean, we've seen it with takeovers. It can happen. With people saying, like, oh, no, well, you know, well, they couldn't do it all the time. There are going to be some bad shows. <laughs> just look at takeovers. Yeah. There hasn't been a bad takeover yet. So they have the potential, they have the talent there to make WWE the best pro wrestling on the planet, period. They just haven't. No. And that's, yeah, it's that's a, just a reflection on WWE, though. Exactly. It should be the best wrestling on the planet, period. Be. Like, that really is the best way to, to, to put it. So I, I, I fully praise Seth for getting behind the company that, that he works for. Absolutely. There's someone uh, on great our... Great passion. Great passion. Someone on our SmackDown um, live stream that we did back on Wednesday had a very, very funny comment where they said there was a conspiracy theory that, like, Seth's only saying this because he's the top guy. And so it's a, it's a way to kind of protect himself in case people start to blame him. So it's like, well, we can't really blame Seth. He really did go out publicly and, and went to bat for us. So we'll, we'll just blame someone else for the low ratings. Blame instead. Kofi Kingston. Blame instead. Kofi instead. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Um, mm. Uh, uh, take on that. I also saw someone post up. Apparently, Daniel Bryan, the way that he's waded in on all of this, uh, is that he has liked a lot of posts that have just been listening, re listing wrestlers better than Seth Rollins. <laughs> Which I feel like is good, very good, good subtle next level trolling yeah. by uh, by Daniel Bryan. Um, so let's let's wrap this up and we'll answer the question: Is Seth wrong about WWE? Pete Quinnell. Yes, because in its current form, as I said before, WWE is not the best pro wrestling on the planet. I can think of three companies off the top of my head that are probably better, but it could be. And I I understand where Seth is coming from. I just think his logic is flawed. Yep, I, I will agree with that. I don't think that he is right about the company at the moment. Okay, I think he's wrong about the company mm -hmm. at the moment. 
WWE should be the best wrestling on the planet. They have got the roster depth to do so. They've got the TV time to do so. Bloody hell, they've got five hours of five original hours a week. Five, and if you include NXT, that's six hours of original content. You include 205 Live, that's seven hours of original content per week. And NXT UK, that's eight <laughs> hours of original content per week. And main events. <laughs> and main event and pay-per-views. Yes. So you have got uh, sometimes upwards of 10 hours a week of original first-run wrestling content. You have got all the time in the world to have the most amazing wrestling shows at the moment. Problem is, they're not. In fact, yeah. the product is quite bad at the moment. I think that things are falling apart. I think the, uh, the rather shaky foundations, financially, they're fine for the next 10 or so years or whatever it is. There's absolutely no worry whatsoever of going under for the next decade or so. Yeah. But they are on shaky grounds. And the attendance is reflecting that. And the audience numbers for TV are reflecting that. Someone sent me recently a uh, comparison of the day one releases of all the 2K games. Mm -hmm. of the, and it has been a steady decline yeah. of interest. There is just a general lack of interest in WWE. But it should be. It should be the best wrestling on the planet. It just currently isn't. But I do praise him for you know being very passionate about the company. He works Absolutely. For. Absolutely. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Uh -huh. 
If you want to submit your question to the mailbag, all you've got to do is become one of our awesome pledge hammers on Patreon at any dollar amount. And you can leave that in the community section. Do not email me. I will just lose them. Apologies that there are no crap gimmicks again this week. I know that you guys said that when I'm back, they will return. Mm. And they would have done. Because the original plan was we were going to film this on a Friday. Yeah. However, there were some technical mishaps, Pete. Not my fault. <laughs> That meant that we're now recording this on a Wednesday yep. as opposed to recording this on a Friday. So I'm going to make this a promise now. Crap gimmicks will return next week. Yes. I won't be there for them. Probably. Possibly. It'll probably be back to me and Ollie. Probably you and Ollie. But they will make a return. However, we will not drop that mailbag. So the mailbag uh, first features Terry Velcro. What a great name. Great name. Uh, who says, what do you think of the idea that the Undisputed Era captures all the gold relatively soon and then has a match with all four members versus opponents at the next War Games for all the belts? War Games is supposed to be around Thanksgiving. So, um, we're not going to get into spoiler territory for NXT TakeOver Toronto because they've done TV tapings for NXT all the way up to uh, TakeOver Toronto. So, not going to talk about what's actually happened, but my prediction before TakeOver 25 was that all the Undisputed Era would lose. Mm -hmm. Then, in the build-up to at TakeOver Toronto, they'd win all the gold. And then at the next TakeOver, which just so happens to be War Games... They defend all their gold inside war games. So yes, I'd love to see that because I predicted it a long time ago. I um I don't want to see an Undisputed Era in war games. No, no, because we've had them in war games for the last two. Isn't that their thing though? Yeah, but I think it'd be nice to, if it was a different. I know they're basically like the only faction. I suppose you've got the uh, the Forgotten Sons. Forgotten as well. Sons. But I I yeah, I'd like to see someone different inside of war games this year. That's and fair. I'm also not. I, I don't like the um. Like winner takes all mm -hmm. thing, and I'm not massively keen on it that they're doing it with Seth and Becky at, uh, at yeah. Extreme Rules, just because I feel I, I, I don't know. Because I, 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 like, say if you've got I'm going to pick a name at random beer, Keith Lee, because the first name that comes to my head. Say that Keith Lee is in that match and he pins Roderick Strong to win the North American Champion. Does that then mean that just Danny Birch and Only Lorcan are handed the tag belts and, um. Tesco's finest is handed the NXT championship. Like, That's the name you came up with. The first name I could think of. Yeah. Like it, I, I don't know. It just sort of it kind of cheapens everything for me because unless you pinned all four of them at the same time, um, it doesn't really work for me that way. That's fair. No, I, I could definitely see that. Um, I just think I think it might damage the card as well if you have all of the titles are in one match. What do you do for the rest of the card? So then it just might be like matches that have no meaning kind of thing. And then have to build some blood feuds, which might be a bit artificial for some of them. Yeah. But I'd also argue I'd only I'd only want teams in war games that have a reason to be there. Mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest complaints I have about like Hell in a Cell happening every year and steel cage matches and stuff like that. They just don't have any meaning to them. They'll just be like, you guys are in a feud. Sure, uh, go into Hell in a Cell. Yeah, give, well, that's why... When they did War Games the first time round, and it just totally made sense, mm -hmm. and, you're, and I was like, that's that's brilliant, that's wicked. And then the following year, I think it was like in January, they announced, we're going to be doing War Games again in November. And I was like, oh, it's become a gimmick pay-per-view. Yep. 
And that's that's less cool. Very much less cool. I'd have liked it if they'd have just done it when it was needed to be done. So you didn't always do it in November. You mm-hmm. did it sometimes in for the SummerSlam show. You sometimes did it for the Royal Rumble show. You just used it as a special attraction, not we're doing this every November now. It's our new Thanksgiving tradition. Yeah. Because yeah. I'd argue that if they don't do Undisputed Era, they're going to need a good reason to find another mishmash of teams. Another eight guys. Yeah, to, to go in there. Yeah, so. absolutely. Um, Abahav Jar says, Hi, Ollie, Luke, Laurie, Simon, and Andy. No hello to Pete because he missed my question for two weeks in a row. I read out your question, thank you very much, for one of them. <laughs> I think. Uh-oh. I recognize the name anyway. Uh, anyway, he says, so I have a conspiracy theory. We see some independent wrestlers not able to fight in the US because of visa issues, Pac being one of them. Do you think Vince is u- using Linda's influence in the government to deny visa to non-WW professionals? No. That's a negatory, Chief. Negatory. Uh, good conspiracy theory, but, um, but no. no. Sean Dunn says, first off, you guys made wrestling great again. Second, Thank you. Fake Bailey Sting and the New Woman's Order versus Bailey Sting and Brooke Lesnar. Brooke? Well, because I like, uh, I guess Dana Brooke. Oh, Dana, Dana Brooke. You Dana, know what? Dana Brooke Lesnar. You know what? She'd make a great Brock Lesnar. The female Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Although it's it's um oh yeah, I suppose you've got fake Bailey Sting in the New Woman's Order. I see uh, versus Bailey Sting and and Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he says sure. that guy, the guy that came up with Bailey Sting is a visionary. Uh, is that good S word? It's totally good S word. <laughs> Vince would love it. This Bailey Sting thing has taken off so much more than I ever would have thought I know, it ever would do. But it's great. It is good stuff. It is good S word. It is. Uh, Tom Delves uh, says Hi, Luke, Laurie. I'll try this again. Hi, Ollie, Luke, Laurie, Chopper P, Housemate Simon, Andy, Randy Datsun, General Manager Grado, SoCal Val, and possibly, if I remember correctly, the prestigious Joe Hendry. Nice. And now I'm new around here and I can't afford to pay uh, for the right to suggest fantasy booking war- warfare topics yet. I'll get there, lads. So maybe there'll have to be a mailbag question that just gets a quick answer. Anyway, here goes. How would you debut Marty Skell in AEW? <laughs> I see what you've done here, Tom. Very sneakily. So- I can't suggest fantasy booking war topics, <laughs> but I can send a mailbag question. <laughs> <laughs> which has it as a question. Uh, so how do you debut Mighty Scale in AEW video packages? Yeah, I think he can just kind of show up. He's one of those guys that everyone would know. Uh, show him up in some sort of angle with the elite kind of thing. I don't think it needs to be like a huge, oh, he's brought his faction with him or anything like that. It's just like, he's here now. Isn't that cool? I, I think you could certainly do it as like a big moment. So you like at one of your big... So say they've got their big four shows. So, sure. so you've got like um, Double or Nothing and All Out. So say it's the one after that. Sure. Or whenever Marty's, you know, the next Double or Nothing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the show, you have sort of like the lights go out, they come back on, and it's Marty's in the ring, and he's got the Plagas mask, and he's got the umbrella. Crowd goes bonkers. That would be a very cool moment. Yeah. Marty's now in AEW. Exactly, yeah. We can do something like that, but I don't think it needs to be like, oh, we're going to tease this storyline, and we're going to do all these things to tease his appearance and stuff. Just... Just have them show up. Yeah. It'd be cool. But knowing the uh, the elite, they would certainly pepper things through being the elite. Although oh, yeah. um, I think it was Matt Jackson said on an episode of being the elite that once AEW runs weekly TV, they'll probably stop doing being the elite on really? YouTube. Yeah, they just said they won't have time. I guess that makes sense. They just yeah. won't have time to be able to, to do it. Because it is like, you know, it's a 15 minute show mm. each and every week that's yeah. made by various different people. 
sometimes quite poorly. But um, yeah. it's just, <laughs> go on, guys. Uh, the, get some microphones. Yeah. Um, the, I think there's a lot to, you know. Yeah, that's fair. It's a lot on. They've got to run, you know, they've got to run a television show. They're executive vice presidents. You seen how much content we do every week? God, get on, get on it, guys. Come on. <laughs> we do hours every week. And we're quite bad at this. <laughs> Uh, that guy who wants to support. Uh, how do you think? How do you? Sorry, I'll try that again. How do you guys think about Seth and Becky being together as an on-screen thing compared to Gargano and Candice? For some reason, that's obviously Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I feel like WWE are really hammering down that Seth and Becky are together, but Gargano and Candice being together was a huge part of their storyline that made Candice a side character for more than a year and a half. It felt more natural to me for some reason. Um, so I guess what he's saying is like, which has been better thus far, Seth and Becky versus Gargano and Candice, which I think is probably unfair because the Becky and Seth thing is less than a week old at this point yeah. as terms of it being a storyline. Mm. So it's hard to say because I think Je- this is going to sound really harsh towards Rollins and Lynch, but I think Ollie was right when he said it and I kind of agreed with him. I don't really see a connection between them on screen. And I don't know whether that's because Lynch is quite like a private person. To me, she felt she looked like she was quite uncomfortable with like, the whole thing. She's like, this is my private life. I don't like this being public. But it doesn't seem quite as natural. I think it's quite they're quite right with what they said. It doesn't seem quite to fit quite as well. Something doesn't quite click with them on screen. I'm not saying that they're in a bad relationship or anything like that. I'm just saying on screen, something doesn't quite click and doesn't feel right with them. Um, granted, it's only been a week. So we'll have to wait and see. But I think Candice was brought in to just add to a storyline that was already ongoing. Becky has been brought in to make a new storyline and to build to another match. And she already had her own storyline going. Candice, at the time, did not have her own one. That was almost a way for Candice to debut yeah, in and, NXT. And it made sense within that storyline because it was all about Gargano and Champa's history together and their best friends. Champa was, you know, a groomsman at his wedding and, mm-hmm. and all this sort of stuff. So it's always been part of their their relationship and their storyline. So Candice actually coming in to be a part of that just made sense. Exactly. Yeah. It was a it was a huge part of everything that their feud was about. Whereas with Becky and Seth, it just felt like they were like well, Becky and Seth are together, so let's make a story to have them on screen together. And actually, I think it was in Candice's debut in NXT. It was actually when he was feuding with um, Andrade, and it was, she was like she was the counterpoint to Zelina Vega. That's right. So yeah. it, it kind of also works in that regard as well, because yeah. when Zelina Vega was constantly interfering, everyone was like, "God, I can't wait for Candice to come out. Mm-hmm. Can't, can't wait for Candice to come out and, and make the save here." Yeah, which I get. Mm-hmm. For me, like this, the, the, it, yeah. so it's hard to tell the difference then, because in that sense. Uh, Candice was there just to even the odds to make sure that Johnny had an, a, a normal chance of winning. Whereas, isn't that exactly what Becky did at Stomping Grounds? Mm. She kind of just came out to make sure that Lacey didn't screw over Seth, which is kind of the same, but it just doesn't feel anywhere near as natural. But again, I, I would also say that because Candice has been mentioned, well, she was mentioned a lot in sort of like Gargano promos and stuff, and she had yeah. she was sort of seen. So they'd already like established the relationship. So then when she debuted in sort of like these storylines it made sense whereas this was very much on this one show we're just going to hammer home the point that these two are dating now so that it makes sense later on it yeah. wasn't something that had been sort of like organically put in place to begin with mm. sort of artificially created it's basically just like their two top champions are dating let's make them an on-screen couple and also johnny and candace were married which mm. i think always makes storylines feel better than their dating marriage is awesome yeah um joe madalena 
Mad, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Madeleine. Joe Madalena. Mm. She actually does say, I hope you get my name right. Or like, you know, enjoy trying to get my name right. Nice. So it's quite a long one. Um, but it says, hi, everyone at Talk, even Andy. Wow. Last night, I was listening to your weekend ramble, and I was shocked by hearing that only 3% of your listeners are female. Well, I'm glad to say that as part of the minority 3%, I'm a huge fan of Talk, And admittedly, I did come across your YouTube by accident, but have stayed ever since for the great WrestleTalk content. I became a pledge hammer for season one of Wrestle League and ended up coming in th- uh, equal third... But Andy forgot to put my name on the list. We need to have words with Datsun. We do indeed. So as one of your few women listeners, it may shock you to know a few things. Number one, that talk of Splashback is absolutely disgusting as I mostly listen to your podcast while cooking dinner. And two, I actually quite like Lacey Evans a lot as a performer than Becky Lynch. Ooh, okay. Uh, I will agree with you on point one. I was uh, So if, you're, if you don't listen to the podcast <laughs> intro and outro... Um, I, I left for like a couple of days and all of a all it just became about toilet chat. Yeah. Toilet chat nonstop. It even became a, a segment on the podcast. I blame Randy and also Ollie. He enabled me. Oh, the two people aren't I, here. I, I was, I was, I, you know, I was taking on new responsibilities. I was doing things I wasn't used to. And all of a sudden, Ollie starts talking about, you know, toilets and stuff. So, you know, I'm there. I've, I've got to, I've got to go with it. Yeah, it's 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 the it's the first rule of improv. Yes, and <laughs> see, I just got to follow what he was doing. Uh, so Joe's email uh, continues. While watching Stomping Grounds, I was a lot more entertained by Lacey. This is in regards to the mm-hmm. Lacey Becky argument, and I think her work as a heel referee was gold. I've enjoyed her act since her days in NXT. Becky's okay, but she reminds me too much of the girls from my high schools. I went to a small country in a ca- in a uh, I went to a small school in a country town, and the girls there are not very ladylike. They were always trying to come up with the best comebacks or trash talk, and kept saying, "I'll kick your ass all the time," which is a lot what Becky does mostly. LOL. I know not many people will agree with me. I started watching wrestling in the Attitude Era as young as 11 years old, but grew out of it and found it again about 18 months ago. The female wrestlers were almost more intriguing to me than men. Listening to the uh, boy-only panel trying to figure out Alexa Bliss's character is a little awkward. I think I can give you some help with that from a female perspective, but that's a whole other letter. I would love to hear a female perspective on this Alexa Bliss character. Very much so. I mean, you're right. We are a boy-only panel, Mm. and I would argue it's a garbage character. Yeah. I would as well. Her heel flip, uh, heel baby face flip flop stuff was infuriating, and her coffee thing is crap. Correct. But that's just me. Yeah. Uh, through listening to your podcast, I heard about the legendary Kenny Omega and Akada matches and decided to get an, a New Japan subscription and check them out and have been watching their pay-per-views ever since and also the AEW stuff as well. So thank you for opening me up to that. I've been meaning to write for a while now, but didn't know what to say. The first thing I do when I get my coffee in the morning is check your videos and your wrestle rambles always provide me with some much needed adult conversation. Please don't stop watching WWE. Your content is too good. All the way from Gloucestershire, Australia, mm. Josephine Madalena. Hope you get my name right two smiley emoticons wow okay Good letter, so, mate. yeah that was great thank you very much for sending that in uh i'll say on the becky lacy point i can see why someone would be more invested in lacy as a character i think because becky has been very flattened out and i think i personally am still somewhat remembering her good points from last year i think if you look at in a in a bubble her last like two months She'd be kind of boring, honestly. She's not really done much that's exciting. Post-WrestleMania's not been great. Post-WrestleMania's not been great. Even pre-WrestleMania, in the yeah. build-up to it, it wasn't great. So We're a far cry from that Survivor Series, oh, standing, in the, uh, standing in the stands, blood pouring down her face. Long old way from that now. Yeah, I know. So sad to see, but 
I would say that I'm not as into Lacey as a performer because I still think she's quite green. I think she still has a ways to go in ring before she's on the level. But I can see why, as a character, she's probably more... She probably works better for some people than others. Um, I'd say that her work as a heel ref was fine. Didn't really do much for me personally, but I just felt like she was a bit generic, just going like, you stop, you get up. And that was about it. So I, I didn't really think it was gold per se, but... That's just me. I haven't seen the match, so I can't actually mm. uh, comment on that. Yeah. Nor am I going out of my way to watch it. No, I wouldn't, I've got, wouldn't uh, recommend it. There is still some stuff from the uh, the best of the Super Juniors that I've not watched yet, and I'm I'm more intrigued yeah, to watch too. that than uh, than watch Stomping Ground. I still haven't watched Takeover 25 yet. That's how busy <laughs> I've been. Um, right, so Phil, Stop we actually had two questions very similar to this, but let's uh, mm -hmm. start with Phil Stopford, who says, "Who is better, Ricochet or Will Ospreay?" And this is a tough one. It really so is. So hard to pick. This is very tough because this is very much in the... Like, it, it's the match between Wickersh uh, Ricochet. Ricochet. Ricochet and Will Ospreay that really kind of blew both of those guys up. Absolutely. It was that match that yeah. really, like, all of a sudden everyone was like, this is a whole different sort of wrestling than I've ever seen mm -hmm. before. And it kind of, like, blew everything up. Um, so... Who is better, Ricochet or Will Ospreay? Uh, for me, I'm going to say Ospreay at this point, only because I, if I'm looking at this year, Ospreay's had better matches in 2019 than Ricochet has. That's so hard to say, though, because if yeah. Ricochet's in the environment where he can't have those kind of matches. Well, this is it. Again, I'm, we've got someone else uh, later, Martin Harmon, says, have the genuine debate, who is the, better wrestler, who is the best wrestler in the world? Is it Seth Rollins or Will Ospreay? And so, and again, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Osprey on that because Osprey is given the opportunity yeah. to have those five star matches, or in some cases, the five and three quarter match he had with uh, Shingo Tataki. Yeah. So I, I, he's allowed to have those matches, whereas Seth and Ricochet are currently not. It's so hard to judge someone based on the potential of them to have a five star match or you know a classic match when they're not in the environment to have those kind of matches. Like you said, like. There's a, it's once in a blue moon you get like a, a punk Cena. Mm -hmm. It's once in a blue moon you get like a Balor Styles from TLC, which was a thrown together match, which they also held back on because they didn't go full out for it. So even when they have these really good matches in WWE, they're still not at the guy's full potential. So it's so hard to say what they could be when we can't see it. Yeah. So as such, I'm going to have to say Will Ospreay. However, I think they are... So incredibly close when they're both at full potential. It's so hard to pick between them. It, oh, Osprey and Ricochet. Osprey and Ricochet. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. is sorry. Yes. Actually, I'd say Osprey and Rollins as well. Like they're so yeah. they're both so good. Yeah. They could easily be like in that top ten conversation. I would say I'd probably say that Osprey would be a better pick for me because I think just his style of wrestling appeals to me more than Rollins's does. But I'm not saying that objectively he's better. Subjectively, in my opinion, I'd prefer to watch Osprey than I would Rollins. Mm. Uh, the dizziest bloke going today uh, said, will the planned TV changes work when it comes to advert breaks? I'm not sure myself. Would love to hear your opinions on the subject. I, d I don't like this two out of three falls format. I, I, re I really, really don't like it. I, I think it actually stifles wrestling matches a lot more than it should. Yeah. It is, we were kind of joking about this on the SmackDown Ramble back on Wednesday. It's the clunkiest way to schedule ad breaks around matches. It is like, uh, how Smack Simon put it, so they went, what's two plus two? And they said apples. Like, <laughs> yeah. they have found just the most bizarre way of doing this. And actually, the easy way of doing it is just approach USA and say, we're going to treat this as a live 
uh, a live show with live wrestling. We're going to have a 20-minute match here. Then we'll have your ad break. We'll have your ad break here, and then we will do this segment here, and this segment is this long, and then we'll have your ad break. You don't have to, like, run by traditional, you've got to have ad breaks on every 10, 15 minutes. Or I think in the US, it's like every two minutes, I think they yeah, have ad breaks that, or something yeah. like that. So I, I just think you need to have the discussion with the network. Yeah, I, I think that that's, that's, a, that's the way forward for them, because... With the two out of three falls thing, like you said, it completely stifles and completely kills the momentum of any match. Because you never buy into any falls. No falls mean anything anymore. Except because, for the final one. <laughs> except for the final one, which is how it should be anyway, because it's a single fall match. It's what it was before. So I think if they just change when the ad breaks were, say you have a 10-minute match. 10-minute match, I think, should be like a normal-ish length of a normal match in WWE. You can go to like... 15 to 20 would be considered a long match. And if you want to have like an epic, it would be like a 30 to 35 minute match. So I'd say 10 minutes for a TV match is about right. Include entrances and post-match celebrations on that. 15 minutes. 15 minutes, have an ad break before and after. You don't need to have any any split screen ad breaks in the middle or any of this. That's a 15 minute window where you've got to have a match. Then after that, you can come back. You can have a couple of backstage promos, maybe a bit of other... George Akin or like a quick two minute match where someone just gets like a, a quick squash match or something and then you have another ad break. That's another 15 minutes. There's so many ways to schedule it around this. NXT just, do it. NXT do it so well. And all you got to do is just figure it out with the network. Exactly. And it's, it. and it's not like WWE don't have a good relationship with the USA Network. Yeah. You know, they've been on them for so, so long. They have got a relationship with them where they can work this out. Mm -hmm. It doesn't need to be this difficult, but I think the exactly. two out of three falls thing sucks. It sucks, and unfortunately, I think it's probably going to stay. Yeah, I know. Uh, the dizziest bloke going uh, today also asks, um, if you could do absolutely anything to improve WWE television, what measures and creative plans would you have in store to take forward into a better product? For instance, would you end the brand split? Now, I've always been an advocate of ending the brand splits because I think your roster is deep enough that you can do it. I don't, I don't see the problem with the brand split. I think the brand split can work, but as long as the shows are different at the moment when and that was kind of the idea was always they were going to be different but they weren't they were the exact same show just with different faces for me the one thing i would improve about wwe television ignoring things like the ad break problem and your multiple falls and stuff i'd have one singular change and that is long term planning <laughs> is i would look from yeah. january to september and I'm going to plan out each and every week of my TV show, what each person is doing. This person is here. What does that mean for this person? And then while that, you know, seven month period is on or say, say you do January to July, then you do uh, August through to December. So while you're running your shows from January to September or from January to July, you're planning out your August to December mm -hmm. and you just run it in six month blocks you long term plan things that way storylines will be consistent because you'll have start had a start point you'll have had an end point and you'd have worked out all the beats in between mm -hmm. rather than showing up to one we can be like what are we doing this weekend yeah because that's when you end up with inconsistent storylines stuff that makes no sense and bad storytelling yeah I, I could get on board with that one uh, I would say my one thing I'd change would be uh Scripted promos, I mm. think. And I'd say allowing people the, a bit more creative freedom is what yeah, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah. I think even if you have kind of skittish booking, you can get around that by having interesting characters. 
So even if something doesn't quite make sense, you can just be like, oh, but it looks so cool. It doesn't really matter. Like I had that with, um, uh, for a real world example, I had that with Avengers Endgame. There's a few things where I'm like, was that really necessary? Does that need to be there? I don't care. This looks awesome. <laughs> so I think if you allow people to to be their own distinct characters and get over the characters that they know, and especially a lot of people know characters that will work. They know what's good for them and what how they can wrestle and how they can get over their own character. You allow them to do that. And I think people can look past inconsistencies in stories hmm. more so than... Because especially if nothing else is good on the show and you have an inconsistent story, it's just another thing. You're just like... Just do it better all the time, which is what we say all the time. Yeah. So I think, yeah, unscripted promos, I think, need to need to come back. Very good point. Uh, Andrew Mercilano. Merso. Merso Gilano. Nice. Good. Good name, mate. Yeah. How disappointed are you that the I don't know what to do line was cut from the dreadful X-Men movie? I actually haven't seen Dark Phoenix. I don't plan to either. Uh, well, no, same here. It came out just before I left for Peru. Mm. And now I'll come back and I'm like, oh, I want to see Far From Home. I want to see the Child's Play remake. Um, I want to see 4. Toy Story 4. It's fallen way down my list. Mm. But even before that period, I think I, me and my wife had said, I will wait until it is on telly maybe in about mm-hmm. five years' time. Then maybe I'll check it out. Yeah. I've practically zero interest in that film. Yeah, I'm not going to watch it. Fun quick story about Toy Story 4. It was released last Friday, mm-hmm. the 21st. And uh, my lady partner and I, we actually went with... Ollie and Laurie and housemate Simon to a pub over the road because Ollie was procrastinating going home because he had to move furniture. <laughs> uh, so we, um, uh, my lady partner and I were planning on going out for a little date that night anyway. So we said, we'll go get a drink with them and then we'll go to our thing. One way there, Ollie was like, Toy Story 4 comes out today. Why don't you go watch that? And we were like, that's a great idea. So we went over and we had a meal and then it was getting a bit late. So we're like, oh, we'll just go to this cinema here. Uh, we watched about 20 minutes of Toy Story 4 and then had to leave because the people were too annoying. No. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, it was really bad. Really, no. really bad. I've never had to leave a cinema because people were too annoying before. But it was literally, oh. both of us were just sitting there, just like white-fisted, just like, please shut up. Like, oh, mate, that sucks. And if it, was, if it was just some kids just kind of chatting or whatever, or enjoying the film, fine. If people are laughing at the jokes, completely fine. If you're just talking and you're just repeating all the lines that the movie's saying, but saying it while you're laughing and chatting to your friend, Shut up. Watch the movie. Get off your phone. There's a guy next to my lady partner who's on his phone as well. I was like, you? Yeah. Anyway. It's always people who play cricket games, I've noticed, that are on their phones. <laughs> that's very specific. I know, but it's what I keep noticing. Yeah. It's always like a guy that's like four rows ahead of you, and you just look up and they're playing some crap cricket game, and you're like, it's always it's always cricket. Always cricket. It's always cricket. Those bloody cricket fans, I swear. Uh, Brandon DaCosta asks, do you think Vince made the 24-7 championship for our truth I think that was a happenstance, to be honest. I think he made the belts for comedy purposes. The funniest yeah. person they've got is our truth and that's why yeah. he ended up with and it. I, I think it's been on record, if I'm unless I'm mistaken, that Vince thinks that our truth is the funniest person that he's ever encountered yes. ever. So I think if he's got a comedy belt, he's given it to our truth because he's so funny. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Flev Doran says, welcome, hello to everyone at WrestleTalk and welcome back, Luke. Cheers, mate. Uh, my question is, what's your favorite wrestler cameo in a TV show? Mine would be Roddy Piper in season five of the highly underrated comedy It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, just because how I was taken by surprise by his appearance in a wrestling-themed episode, no less, and how Piper stole the scenes, as usual. Also, speaking of comedy, did you guys see the KO post-stomp uh, interview of him talking about Sin Cara truck photo, best moment of the 
entire pay-per-view for me. Oh, it was him. He was talking to, you know how on like the production trucks, they've got the wrestlers yeah. panned on there. Kevin Owens did like an interview where he was talking to the Sin Cara on the truck. Nice. It was quite funny. Um, so uh, your favorite cameo in a uh, TV show, favorite wrestling cameo in a TV show. I don't really watch that much TV, honestly. So I can't really tell you many cameos in a TV show. I would say one of my, this isn't really a cameo. But one that popped me big because I was not—I did not see it coming a mile away. Was seeing El Santo in Coco, <laughs> in Pixar. That popped me big because I did not see that coming. I was like, "It's El Santo! Yeah. I know him." I am—I'm um, going to say uh, The Rock in uh, that '70s show. In the first season of the '70s show, they have one where they go to wrestling, and um, Matt and Jeff Hardy have like a match uh, that they go to see, mm-hmm. and then they have a, a bit with Ken Shamrock. And then you have The Rock playing his dad, uh, who then, when he's talking to Kurtwood Smith and Topher Grace after the mat, uh, after the show, is just like, I'm going to have a son. And one day, he's going to be the most electrifying man in sports <laughs> entertainment. It's very cute. It's very and good. I, I love that 70s show. So um, I'm going to go with that. So uh, bloody love the 90s. As an actual one that I literally just thought of, Alex Riley in Glow. Yes! Mm. Oh, great shout! Yeah, I great. thought he was awesome. He was! I popped massively. I yeah. said, oh my God, that's Alex that's Riley! Alex Riley. Yeah. Who the hell is Alex Riley? It's like, Rage! <laughs> it's Rage Alex Riley! <laughs> also, that moment when you realise that it's um, Awesome Kong, you're like, is that Awesome Kong? <laughs> Lots of really good wrestling cameos in, oh, yeah, in the first tons, season yeah. of Glow, actually. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a great... I completely forgot about Alex Riley yeah. in that. Great shout. Um, I thought of another one as well, but it's it's escaped me. So, I'm, oh, that was it. It's um, so, Do you watch The Good Place? I don't. So no. The Good Place, one of like the running gags in the show is that um, the lead character... Uh, who's played or one of the lead characters rather um, is like one of her most fanciable men is Stone Cold Steve Austin <laughs> right <laughs> so that like every now and again his name just gets brought up <laughs> and it pops me every yeah. single time when they mention it and then there's a point where she's talking about um, like she she's not very good at like hanging out in groups and she's like trying to get advice from this person she goes it's like when Austin fans and the Rock fans Rock fans don't like Austin fans for this reason <laughs> And she's like, no, Austin fans are like rock fans because rock's a sellout. And he went to Hollywood. That's so good. It's really, really funny. So you're waiting on the inevitable Stone Cold cameo. Oh, maybe. Up then, yeah. uh, Matthew Muldoon says, hi, guys. I have a question about the launch of new wrestling promotions. I'm very familiar with Cody, met him at a Whole Foods recently and couldn't have been nicer. Omega, the Bucks, Jericho and Moxley. But uh, uh, but other than I'm not quite sure about uh, what the character base of AEW consists of, is the expectation that I'm supposed to know everyone's gimmicks going in or will they be fleshed out as they build their continuity? quite exciting going in blind but i'm also hoping not to be completely lost at the start as always thankful for all you do lads uh i think it's kind of a mixture of both and i think what they play to from what i've seen of AEW thus far is they play to the fans that know what's going on the people who know all the gimmicks and the people who know all the people there will get a lot out of it for example someone like orange cassidy who if you know his gimmick God, you're going to love him in the in the, the battle royal that he was in, right? If you don't know his gimmick, though, they still make you learn his gimmick through the match. So I think even if you don't know, you'll learn by the end of it yes. who people are. Yeah. Uh, MJF's another good example of that. Like, 
by the end of that show, you know, actually, I mean, by the midpoint of that show, you know who MJF is. You mm. know what his gimmick is. And even arguing that Battle Royale, it's quite like you know, the Jimmy Havoc, Joey Janela stuff. But you know who those guys are by the end of that match. Yeah. But I, I would say all good TV shows, and I'm not just talking about wrestling products, but all good TV shows should have that establishing period where they kind of like allow it for new viewers to come in and say like, these are the wrestlers. These are the people you are going to get to know. So yeah, I would say that you don't, it's probably not necessary that you need to know every single gimmick. You don't need to have watched every single episode of Being the Elite before watching AEW. But if you have, then you'll probably get quite a bit out of it. Um, it's probably not like going to see Avengers Endgame first. Yeah, no, you, you should really watch a lot of other MCU films before you watch Avengers Endgame. Probably all of them. But I would say that the Avengers, the first one, actually is a very good jumping off point because you can actually watch that movie having not seen any of the other parts of Phase 1 and it introduces you to each of the characters and what their motivations are as we go into the film. Fun fact, the Avengers was my jumping off point. Really? Yeah, I'd, I'd seen Iron Man. Okay. And that was it. And I knew there was an Incredible Hulk film, but I heard it was bad. So oh, I didn't, it's good. I like so it. I didn't watch it. That's, I, I hadn't right. seen Thor and I hadn't seen Captain America. Hmm. And sorry, I'd seen Iron Man 2 as well. Okay. Because I liked Iron Man. So it's not quite your And, and then I saw The Avengers. Yeah. And then I went back and watched Thor and Captain America and I was like, this makes so much more sense. <laughs> My God, it's awesome. But I still yeah. very... The, the Avengers was where I was like, oh, this is really cool. Who are these other guys? Yes. So I learned by the end of that film who these guys were and then went back and watched them before and I was like, oh my God, this is great. So it's kind of the same. How do we just make a link between AEW and the Avengers? Well, we've got one more question and it comes from Sawyer who says, on last week's ramble, Ollie went through some of the stuff Tony Khan talked about on the Stone Cold podcast, such as the confirmation that AEW TV will be two hours and will tour. And there will be a particular tidbit that I found more interesting that I don't think was brought up. Tony addressed the idea of the off season. Mm. He stated AEW will not have an off season. Oh, we've lost our thumbnail. Oh, well. Why has that gone off? I have no idea. Very bizarre. I have no idea. But... Oh, well. Oh, well, you've got a black screen. Black screen behind us for the rest of us now. Do apologize for that. Uh, we're, we're basically at the end now. Uh, he said that AEW will not have an off-season, and he explained that he doesn't believe in the idea for pro wrestling. His blunt dismissiveness of this stunned me for a minute, as I've been on the bandwagon of championing uh, such an idea in the industry. But then he continued with another detail. AEW will have a much lighter house show schedule, maybe one or two shows a week average, maybe even skipping some weeks entirely, which will allow more time for talent to go home and rest each week. Wondering what you guys think of the argument against the off-season and is cutting down the non-TV house show a healthy idea? Yes. Thanks ties into what we are talking about with Seth Rollins at the start of the show. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, yes, I think less wrestling is actually better for the wrestlers because, like you said, it gives them more time to, to heal any injuries. If there's anything that's troubling them, then they can perhaps... Sneaky. Then they can perhaps... Try and, you know, sort those ailments out before they get onto the weekly TV shows. Um, I don't necessarily think you need an off-season for WWE because you have so much talent that you could simply rotate rosters. We've got a thumbnail back. You could simply rotate people in and out. They don't have to be featured every single week. NXT does it all the time, where you'll have a week where you won't have your NXT champion or your NXT women's champion on the show. You'll just have, like, these, like, establishing matches and you'll have these other feuds that are going on at the same time, which gives the talent... If that was, like, a weekly show, they built it exactly the same. They didn't do TV tapings. You'd have all that time where people could go home and rest and do all these other things and potentially go do a one house show or two house shows in the meantime. So I don't even necessarily think you need an off-season. You just need enough rest time for the wrestlers that you have. And if you don't have enough wrestlers to cycle them in and out... 
then possibly, yes, an off-season would work. But if you're a company the size of WWE, you definitely don't need one because you've got enough talent that's not getting TV time as it is. Uh, but for AEW, I think just having a lighter house show schedule will work fine. I, I'm in complete agreement with you on, on that one. It was actually one of the reasons a lot of um, ex-WWE guys uh, raved about Impact when they first went over. Because they were like, oh my god, the schedule is so much lighter. Like, I, I, bearing in mind that Impact was used to be a period where they used to tape four weeks worth of TV at a time. And I know mm -hmm. they do that now, but then they changed that doing them as a weekly touring thing. But when they were like doing four week blocks, they were like, well, I work for like two days. And then we got a couple of house shows, but I got like the rest of the month off. So I actually got a much like, and I feel much better. I feel much calmer. My body feels more rested. And I actually feel I can go out and I can perform better. So I think doing this as a, you, I mean, there was a, um, Samoa Joe was doing vlogs for a little bit. And you look at that WWE schedule and it's like, this is nutso. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it is work, 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 work. That Rihanna song. And then, <laughs> You go home like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You're back at work. Yeah. It's it's not like us with the moment. We're like, you know, it it just feels like you're you're constantly always there. Granted, I mean that that's a regular working week for a lot of people, but these people are like traveling all over the country doing a very punishing job. Yeah. It's not like us. We get to sit in a nice. I mean, it's a very sweaty studio. It is. But we do get, at least get to sit down. I don't have to fall on my back every two seconds. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, I think I think the the biggest thing is that it's not just the actual amount of wrestling they have to do, which is a lot. It's all the bits in between. It's the traveling and the press releases and the podcast they have to go on and the interviews they have to do and all the other stuff that comes with it. Is that even if they're not wrestling, they're working pretty much all the time. They might get a day or two here and there, but that's it. Yeah, and that's just way too much for anyone to do. I think that it's. Um, I think there's an argument for both of them. I do think that the there's certainly an argument for the off season, mm -hmm. but I think there is very much that argument for the lighter work schedule. You're doing one or two house shows a week, and your touring day, or you know your TV day, so that's three days worth of work. And you might not even have to work all those three days. You might just do show like run-ins, so you're not mm -hmm. actually working on those. You actually so effectively you almost got a week off, and I think that gives you a lot of time to uh, to heal your body and just feel fresh all the time. So yeah, I, I mean, I. We don't really know a lot about AEW. Well, actually, we know quite a bit about AEW, but I think more of it's going to come to light when the TV starts in October. But For sure. I can tell you this, I'm chuffing excited to hear about it. Right, we're going to have to do a fairly short outro because that was a quite a long intro. Indeed it was. Uh, but this uh, is a WrestleTalk Get Better that I didn't get to read out in the week. But it says, Hello, the other one, Luke Owen, Wonder Rolly, El Fakadu, Laurie Blake, Chopper Pete Quinnell, and mm, no, I guess that's it. Definitely nobody. Nope, no one. Since I've gotten into my current relationship, I've put on, well, let's say some noticeable weight. And I've been struggling to get back in the ways of my lighter self. I've always searched for excuses, like my studies to become an English and philosophy teacher here in Germany. Or my side job as a pizza delivery guy as the reasons why I can't stay in somewhat of a shape, other than, you know, a circle. But now I'll put myself on the spot and try to do this gym thing once again with the help and pressure of the SWAF nation. I'm 7.2... I'm sorry, not 7.12 centimeters, uh, meters, that's massive. <laughs> I'm 1.72 meters, which is about five foot eight, and currently weigh around 93 kilos, 205 pounds, still a cruise weight apparently, and my long-term goal would be around 75 kg or around 100, excuse me, 165 pounds. Hope my email's not too long, absolutely wasn't. And thank you for your consistent consistency and keep up the amazing work. Long time SWAF Nation member and also PodSwafter since day one-ish, Florian Simon from Lower Saxony in Germany. I feel like I read that one out. 
on a different podcast. Did you? I feel like I did. Oh, well, I'm very well. Perhaps. Yeah. Maybe. Lucky you. It's, I recognize the name. Mm. And see, it's really confusing because I'll read these emails before I read them out on the podcast. Uh, so now I can't remember whether I've just read it myself in order, and I never got to read it out on a podcast, or I've actually read it out on a podcast. Yeah. I can't remember. I don't think I'd forwarded that one across to you, which is why I assumed. Oh, he might have emailed me. But he might me. have emailed it to you. He might you. have emailed me it as well. Oh, it gets confusing when people email multiple people. So confusing. Anyway, yeah, now Luke's back. People, email Luke again, please. <laughs> yeah. I'm still getting a few emails here and there. Email Luke again, please, because I, 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 I don't need them anymore. Something else I want to stress as well before we get out of here. I've noticed this is a bit of a trend, and I, it's a trend that's very much my fault. It's people apologizing for, quote, long emails. Yeah. When they're actually not long emails no, at all. Not at they're all. like a paragraph and a sentence, which, you know, that one absolutely was as well. And that's very much down on me because I used to say, like, people are sending me quite long emails and we haven't got enough time to read them. But that was when people are sending, like, 15 paragraph emails. That is when an email is a bit too long if you are if you if your email is two paragraphs that is not a long email at all so absolutely never ever ever apologize for sending in a quote long email even if you do send in a long email never ever ever apologize for it there we go. You've yeah, been told. You've been told. Um, I hope that I was meant to come off as a, as a slight against me, not everyone who sent <laughs> yeah. in an email. Um, right. So, uh, but, 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 I think we're going to have to draw it to a close next to me, uh, Ollie and Laurie need to record stuff for Patreon. But that is all we've got time for on today's show. We will be back on Monday with a podcast review of AEW's Fighter Fest mm. with uh, CEO Gaming. So that's going to be very much fun. I think that's me and Laurie. That's going to be doing that. Yes. Yes. That's me and Laurie that are reviewing that. Yes. yes. So you can look forward to that on Monday. And then me and Ollie will be doing uh, Raw on Tuesday and SmackDown on Wednesday. And then me and Laurie will be back again to do the uh, NXT review. And then the magazine show should return once again, like a renegade master, to me and Oliver Davis. Hopefully with crap gimmicks, but like I'm, I'm not putting too many pins into things. Back to normal. It's going to be back to normal, and then yeah. I was going on holiday for a couple of weeks. <laughs> so we're we'll normal again. <laughs> but normal again. we'll get one. We'll get. You get, might get one full week where we are at normality. Yeah. Um. And if you are one of our pay, uh, pledge hammers on Patreon, make sure you go over and listen to our One Night Stand 2006 review. That was Pete and Ollie's in-depth discussion of ECW One Night Stand 2006, and of course Ramble Club for. Our $10 backers as well. It's all fun. There's, It's too much content, but we love making it for you. So much content. So enjoy all the content that we put out next week. Take care. I love you. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 